to the SF Weekly Podcast, the Mordor edition. I'm joined, as always, by Kevin N95 Hume, our photo editor. How are you holding up, Kevin? Uh, I'm doing okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not too bad today. Yesterday was pretty terrible with all the smoke in the air. Um, yeah. I live over in Oakland, and it was pretty smoky all day. I, w- I went outside first thing, and it smell like a campfire mm-hmm. uh and uh then i wrote i drove around the city yesterday for a change and uh was just trying to find you know angles to photograph the city covered in smoke yeah um well i think we scored uh the uh the dubious honor of uh worst air in the world yesterday yeah something we seem to get every year now Hmm. yeah it's pretty apocalyptic, a, a particularly apocalyptic week um, here in the Bay Area, um, in addition to obviously the constant humming menace of the pandemic and our crumbling democracy. There was the crushing heat wave and the super unusual August thunderstorm, which sparked fires all over the region and the state. And looking at the Salesforce Tower from a distance, I guess, was what you were trying to maybe kind of photo you were trying to get. Kind of like looking at Barador from the Black Gate. <laughs> it's grim out there. Yeah, you know, and I was uh, I was up on top of Bernal, Bernal Heights, where it was, you know, it's a really just rocky outcropping, and it felt very, uh, you know, dry and and awful. <laughs> it was very apocalyptic. I kept the windows closed as much as I could all day, and smoke was still getting in, um, yeah. and it's. Yeah, it it bothered me like being inside. Um, so I certainly minimized going outside today. Um, has been a little bit better. Um, so yeah, but you, um, you're no stranger to fires. I mean, all of us living in California are no stranger to fires. But you in 2018 um, drove up to cover the the Paradise Fire with um, former news editor Nula Bashari um, and. You know, the year before that was Tubbs. Both of those events, uh, the Tubbs fire, both of those events brought lots of smoke down to the Bay Area. Um, and I was reminded of those this these past couple days. And, and I was wondering if we could tap into your memory of the Paradise Fire. What did you see up there on your trip up there? And um, and like, are there any through lines to what we're seeing today that you can think of? Sure. Yeah. Um so Nula and I went up there about a week after the fire had started. Um, so, I mean, it was well over in the local area around Paradise, and it was moved up around the mountains above Chico and past Paradise. Um, and so a lot of people were um, already evacuated and in evacuation centers. Um, you know, they some I don't think people had been let back into the town yet to see their homes, which I mean, the vast majority of the city uh, was leveled, you know, just, you know, just rampant destruction everywhere. Um, and it just felt very eerily calm. The, the two times we went into the fire zone area, um, you know, it was quiet. There weren't really aside from PG&E crews and uh, some people that were starting to do like, you know, recovery operations. There weren't a lot of people inside the area. 
we photographed a lot of like little statues that had melted outside people's homes or some that had remained standing, um, you know, outside of the, the home that had been destroyed. Uh, so many cars just completely destroyed and rims melted with tires and everything. Um, you know, it just, it was just absolutely, absolute destruction everywhere you looked. Um, and when we went and spoke with a few people, uh, inside some of the evacuation centers and some of the places that had been set up for evacuees to, you know, gather goods like clothing and other things. Um, people were, you know, pretty hopeful, but also they kind of understood, you know, that they were probably going to be starting over. Um, and, you know, they were just trying to keep their family together and stay safe and keep their spirits up before they could go back and start figuring out what they were going to do with themselves, you know? So, you know, like this is, this is something that happens every year now, apparently for the last, what, five, six years. Um, Hopefully we don't see anything like the amount of, you know, human lives that were lost in in a fire like that ever again. Um, But it just seems like nature climate change fire is going to keep encroaching on Bay area cities on cities around Northern California, Southern California. Um, and just, it's just going to keep getting worse, I think. So yeah, it's, it's just a part of our new normal, I guess. Right. Well, speaking of, um, Oh, what a segue. Um, speaking of beating the heat and, and trying to stay away from the smoke, um, the Inside Lands lineup was announced earlier this week, uh, produced by the Outside Lands, the folks at Outside Lands uh, Golden Gate Park Music Festival held every year. The show is free. It's going to be streamed on Twitch and will feature live and archived performances from the likes of Anderson Pock, Disclosure, Gorillas. Nathaniel Ratliff, Toki Monster, and Tycho, plus a lot more. Um, have have you ever been to Outside Lands, Kevin? How many times have you gone? Yeah, yeah, I got to go the last two years pre- previous, uh, covering it for the Examiner, um, and it was a lot of fun. Some highlights from last year: I saw Nambe; he was really good. Uh, I saw um, Paul Simon; that was kind of cool. Oh, cool! Yeah. Um, Blink-182. I'd never seen them before, actually. Oh, nice. <laughs> you know um, Airheads? Uh, the Candy? The movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, 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 like when, when, when Brendan Fraser asks the other guy whose name escapes me, uh, the, the, the slimy uh, executive, like uh-huh. if he likes uh, David Lee Roth, Van Halen, or Sammy Hagar, Van Halen, the guy goes with Sammy Hagar and they're like, Oh, and then they kick him out. Right. Or <laughs> like that was their litmus test. Yeah. So Kevin plus 44 or angels and airwaves. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I was an angels and airwaves guy. Yes. Yeah. We can still be friends. Yeah. I, yeah. I really fell in love with that first single uh, that they dropped all those years ago. Oh uh, yeah. That was a great song. It was also really cool being able to see Lizzo. Uh, it was like right around when she was first getting buzz. I think that was right around when uh, Truth Hurts dropped and was just, you know, becoming a big song. 
Um, and to see her on the main stage with her dancers and performing was a lot of fun. Speaking of Lizzo, uh, her new smash album, um, was largely produced by a guy who goes by Ricky Reed. Um, and Ricky Reed has a very, very, you know, Bay area history, grew up in Berkeley, um, played in a band, um, by the name of Locale AM. Oh, the front man of Locale AM. Then the, uh, then a part of facing New York. Oh man. Then be, uh, started this project called wallpaper with a period. <laughs> Dude, I really like wallpaper. I saw them at Coachella in 2012 and they were sick. Yeah. And so he, he started this band wallpaper, um, sort of on a lark, like, Oh, I can make beats. Um, and, uh, it turned into like this big thing, um, just party music, right. Yeah. Sort of ridiculous party music. Um, white, white boy wasted, <laughs> white boy wasted. It was um, fun. Stupid yeah. wasted. It was great. It was so good. Like da da da. <laughs> I don't know what you... So anyway, now he's like a, he's like a, in-demand producer he is all over the place um you can hear him you can hear his voice uh like doing like timbaland type background vocals on um megan trainer's uh songs wow um and 21 pilots their smash album that has all the hits on it he he helped um produce that record that's cool um, i had no idea about any of this yeah. So Lizzo, it was funny. I was listening to her on Fresh Air and she name dropped Ricky Reed. And I was like, ah, <laughs> and we then started just like we did all those years ago with stars yes. in our eyes. Yeah. But speaking of live streaming coming up on the podcast, um, we are going to play uh, another song by Fast Times. We had them on the podcast a few weeks ago. And uh, they are doing uh, yet another live streamed event um, to benefit uh, local venues. You can uh, read about that on our website, sfweekly.com. Um, and we're going to talk with Sarah Geyser, editor of The Examiner, um, about what it's like to have a kid going back to school during remote learning times. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
with Sarah Geyser, editor of our sister paper, the San Francisco Examiner. The state is once again on fire, COVID-19 rages on, and a local election is coming up. But while Sarah could offer us plenty of insight on all of these timely issues, we're here today to talk about another topic. School is back in session, and parents like Sarah all over San Francisco are figuring out how to add distance learning to their already chaotic juggling act. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thanks. Good. Happy to be here. <laughs> um, so school started on Monday. Uh, how are you and yours holding up? Well, uh, my son is in fifth grade uh, at a local public school, and um, I am working from home, and my husband is also working from home. He teaches at a university. Um, in practice, what that means is that all three of us are frequently on Zoom at the same time, and we have not yet worked out how to make the Wi-Fi work at the back of the house, so we're pretty much all in the same room right on top of each other while we're doing it. Mm. Uh, and my son has required a fair bit of uh, technical assistance so far. He's had problems with uh, sound quality on the Zoom session and uh, you know, just figuring out the logistics. His teachers had him downloading apps and jumping into small groups and out of groups again. And, and, um, and it's been stressful. It's been stressful for him and it's been stressful for us. I have to, you know, we have to take turns sitting there next to him and kind of troubleshooting as he goes while also at the same time trying to do our own jobs. You know, I'm, I'm trying to run a newspaper from our living room. Yeah. So it's been, it's been tense so far. It's only been a few days. I'm hoping it will smooth out, but uh, yeah, challenging. So, um, you know, it's not like uh, you and all the parents didn't see this coming. I think plenty of parents were dreading this day. Um, is it, is it as daunting as you imagined or are there any silver linings uh, to school beginning so far? Um. Well, we've been cooped up in the house a lot because of the uh, the pandemic shelter in place. We've been taking that pretty seriously here. And so as a result, my son has been fairly bored. Um, so I would say in that sense, it's good that he has something to do. Um, but And we did have time to prepare. We knew that this was coming, but it's still been a, bit, a little bit harder than I thought it might be in these first few days. I uh, He has done a few online classes and workshops and things over the summer and i thought maybe we had kind of worked the bugs out of the whole online class thing but in practice it has turned out to be more challenging than i thought and also it's longer uh these he they have him online for like three hours or more um wow. which is yeah. a lot i mean he's 10 years old he's he's uh he's dying by the end of it wants to get off um so that's been harder than i expected there is the silver lining of just being able to be there. And, uh, you know, I get to have lunch with him, which I don't normally mm. get to do. And I get to uh, be there at bedtime, which I wasn't always before when I was working in the office. So that has been positive. Um, you mentioned that you had hoped that they might have figured out how to make this all go smoother. Um, have have the schools uh, or has your son's school at least uh, f worked some things out, uh, figured some things out over the summer? I honestly felt like our son's school, or at least his teacher, his individual teacher last term, did a fairly good job in terms of, 
you know, she started very quickly doing uh, Zoom sessions most days and, and, you know, communicating about work. I've heard from other parents at other schools that they weren't so lucky and that that wasn't the case, that they weren't getting a lot of communication or a lot of online class time. Um, and especially from high school students, interestingly, I, I heard several high school parents say that their kids were, were bored and weren't being given very much to do. Um, so I did feel like my son's school did a pretty good job in the spring, all things considered. And I feel like his teacher seems pretty prepared now in terms of, you know, he's clearly got a, a curriculum set up and a structure and he's, he's walking them through it. What's challenging still, it, it's amazing, really, the, te- the technology is really the biggest problem right now. I mean, we have to deal with sound issues. We have to deal with, um, you know, communication problems. You know, why can't we hear what's going on? Is it their problem? Is it our problem? You know, things like that. Um, so that has been a big problem for us so far. What about on your end? Have you figured out some things to, to make distance learning go smoother um, on your end? Well, we are among the lucky ones in that we have reasonably solid internet. I mean, we can actually do more than one Zoom session at a time without our internet completely collapsing. Um, We have some devices and computers around the house. And uh, and my husband's a teacher, so he's, he's, uh, I mean, he's a college teacher, not an elementary teacher. But he's reasonably comfortable stepping in and taking a, a teaching role on some of this. So we you know, we're actually in fairly good shape compared to many families. Um, and plus both of us are home and we, uh, what we have worked on hard is to try and we're trying to make sure there's a routine and a structure because our son does well with that. Um, and we're also trying really hard to instill in him the understanding that it is okay if he has trouble with some of this and it is okay if he can't get everything done and it is okay if he can't hear everything the teacher says and need, uh, or if he needs to take a break from zoom. Cause our son is, um, he has some special needs. Uh, I don't want to go into that, but, um, but he's, you know, he's very conscientious. He's very hardworking. He takes his work very seriously and he gets really anxious and stressed out when, when he has trouble with things. And so that's been a big thing for us is just communicating with him that it really is okay, that this is hard, that it's not his fault, that it's hard. And, um, and that all he can do is try right now. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the key threads, uh, of this, this whole story, this whole suite of stories that you'll be paying close attention to, um, both as a parent and, uh, as a journalist, as the, um, school year, uh, goes forward. As a parent, I'm I'm going to be paying attention to what kind of help they put out there. Um, I, I I know they're trying. They're putting out um you know they're they're distributing Chromebooks to families. They're trying to offer various technical assist you know assistance things like that. Um, they've done some training with the teachers. As a parent, it, it felt like it was all a little bit too late. It was all very last minute. Um. So I'm going to be watching to see what kind of help they get out there to people. I am curious to know how the learning hubs go that they have set up. I I think that that is a concept that probably should be expanded to a lot more kids. I think there's a lot of families that really would benefit from some assistance in uh, teaching and caring for their kids. 
this this whole experience has really driven home for me how much we rely on on the childcare of school, but also the uh, the help and support with our son. Uh, and you know, we 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 can't do this by ourselves. So those are things I'm I'm very keenly aware of as a parent, and I know there's lots of people out there who probably have it way worse than we are, we do right now. Um, as a journalist, I'll be watching that. I'll be watching the budget situation. Um, I'm curious, uh, you know, the teachers union plays a big role in whatever decisions the district makes. I don't know if we're going to go back to school again this year at all. Um, but if we do, it'll be because the, the district and the teachers union hammered something out. Um, so I will be watching for those sorts of developments. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us, Sarah, and um, sharing a little bit of your um, personal life with us and some insights that you've gathered as, as a parent uh, in the COVID-19 era. Um, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's edition of the SF Weekly Podcast. The episode was produced, engineered, and recorded by me, Nick Veronin. Our theme music was composed by The Armature. Our featured song was Girlfriend by Fast Times. For more hot takes, deep dives, and alternative views on San Francisco news, subscribe to our podcast through Apple or Spotify, follow us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash sfweeklypodcast, and check out our website, sfweekly.com. See you next week.